I want to begin by saying Happy Father's Day to all the dads here. I want to remind you that the work that you do is absolutely amazing because you set the pace by your commitment to Christ. Your family is what they are because you've been willing to stand in the gap. Harold, you're right, and I appreciate that in your prayer because we wonder what will fix Selma, and the one thing that would begin that start would cause a revival if there was a dad in every household. And it breaks my heart when I see little children, I talk to them, and I know what's missing. Dads don't ever undercut what you do. It's incredible. It's amazing. You do it consistently, and you do it good times and bad, and it changes everything. And we've got to remember that and the importance of what we are as that standard. That's when you leave today, there'll be someone at the door that'll offer you some candy. That's not nearly enough for what you do because you set the standard in your household and your community, and we need that. Our Heavenly Father is our guide, and He's taught us in a loving and kind way what we're to be as dads. Keep up the good work. We need that. It's said that if both mom and dad attend church regularly, 72% of, of the families will, will remain faithful in attendance, even in their adulthood. If just the dad attends, 55% will remain faithful. And it's so important that mom and dad are seen together worshiping. It's a role model. It's an example. It helps people to understand where to go when there are times of tragedy and turmoil in life. Folks go everywhere for help, but they forget that their Heavenly Father is the only one that can fix what is broken and help you through that storm. You know, Jesus promised to build His church. He built it on Himself. And He said that even Satan couldn't stop the work that He was doing through the church, and that is so true. Satan and all the legions of hell cannot storm and destroy what is being built in the church. And I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about a body of people. Jesus is strong in His Holy Spirit in guiding us. The strength that He gives us is mighty, and it's lasting, and it's necessary. They'd all heard the words of Joel first when he was quoted, that in the last days He would pour out His Spirit among us, and He's doing that, and He continues to do that. The words of David were so powerful because it confesses that David, as a sinful man, understood the importance of God in his life. David may have sinned and walked away from God, but he hurried back to Him right away because he knew that the only one that really loved Him, truly and in a fulfilling way, was God. And he understood that God would forgive him. David saw the image of resurrection in his own life, and he knew that one day God would call him to himself because he felt the closeness of God in his life. And it's important for us to realize that today. The church is built on something that is so solid and so powerful, yet the world has ignored us and they've walked away from us, and that's perfectly fine. It's not the first time it's happened. It won't be the last but the reality is, our goal is not to sit here and be the church, but it's to go after those who are looking for hope and help. One by one, we do that. And we never lose sight of what God wants us to do. The, bo the book of Acts is all about God completing the mission through us that He began in Jesus Christ. 
And we understand the importance of that. Jesus promised that he would build this church. And we are part of that church. Now the promise is guaranteed to us that Satan will not overpower the church. He won't destroy what's in you. And and Satan is very busy going after Christians. He wants you. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your frailties. He knows your flaws. And he loves to work on them. He will convince you that you have a strength. Satan will convince you that you have a strength only to topple you in the pride and arrogance of understanding that. Oh yes, Satan wants you desperately. He's been very effective in America removing dads from the families. Unfortunately, our federal government has helped with that. But you as a father need to be there. You need to stand strong. You're a part of the church. In fact, I would say you're one of the cornerstones of the church. Because our Heavenly Father gave us this church and demands that we follow in His footsteps. Christ will build this church His way and He will have nothing to do with it at all if we abandon Him and walk away from Him. I've walked into churches before and the coldness I felt was not the coldness of the absence of Christ being near me, but it was the amount of the flesh that controlled what was there. I have people say, oh, I I go to so-and-so church because the worship is lively and you can feel the Spirit there. Don't mistake what man conjures up with what the Holy Spirit can do. Remember this, the Holy Spirit does not abide in this building. When we turn the lights off and lock the doors, the Holy Spirit is not here. The Holy Spirit is within you, those of you that are believers. You bring as much of the Holy Spirit into this church for a worship experience like this today as you carry with you. If your heart is right with God and you're fellowshipping with Him and you've confessed your sins and there's nothing separating you from brothers and sisters in Christ, the power of the Spirit will be strong in this room. And when we come together to worship, we will feel the presence of God here in a mighty way. It won't be something man can make. It'll be something only God can create. And once you've experienced it, nothing else will ever do. There are churches all over America today that have walked away from God. They've decided they want to be in control. They've they've thought that we can do what we need to do. You don't believe me? Just read the first part of the book of Revelation. It talks about the churches, and it gives types of churches there that are listed in Asia. Those are types of churches today. Churches that are proud of what they've accomplished. They're focused on that and they want to maintain that position. They want that authority. They want that position. But the reality is if we're going to position ourselves like Jesus Christ, we're going to be humble. We're going to be servants, servant leaders. We're going to be willing to do whatever needs to be done to reach someone for Christ. And wherever you stand, whatever you do, and wherever you go, you make that difference. The disciples in that first church followed God's plan to build the church His way. And the reality is it worked. They were adding thousands of people at a time to the church because people were hungry. They were in a world that did not offer them hope. They were in a world that was broken. Every promise made by any leader there had failed them. They understood that it was not going to get better in the hands of men. Look around you today. Make the sad mistake of putting gas in your car. In fact, you know the fastest way to get back on your feet? Own a gas guzzler. 
because you're going to be a walking. You can't drive. And it's sad that we're there. But the reality is this world, this government, this, this humanity cannot solve our problems and cannot seal in us a hope. We should never look to that. We should never pretend that that is our only hope. Our only hope is in Christ Jesus. We need to be faithful to Him. First of all, I want to think about what was going on there because that's what we need to do today. The first thing they realized was that you must be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ first and foremost. You want to be a good citizen? You want to do the right thing? Begin by following Christ Jesus. It's everyone that was in government today trusted Christ Jesus. We wouldn't be where we are today. There would not be any self-centered motives. There would not be any greed. There would not be any, any humanity that would seek to torture or abuse anyone else that only want to give and sacrifice. But we begin by understanding that we have to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It's not our way. It's not what we think of. It's not our cunning or intelligence that really matters. It's what Christ does through us. In verse 41 here it says, Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Wow. That's amazing. The first church understood the importance of that. And these were people that were very different. They spoke different languages. They lived in different cultures. For the Jew to be baptized in the name of Christ was to walk away from everything they had believed before. To walk away from the traditions of their family. And to take a chance to separate yourself from everyone. Yet these people understood the importance of that. A healthy Christian will not find his strength or determination in himself. But he'll find it only in Christ. He'll understand that it's not the beauty of a church or the, or the size of a church that makes a difference, but it's the power of the Holy Spirit within the church that changes things, that changes people. We understand the importance of what they were doing. You know, I struggle sometimes when I listen to people talk about their church. And I've told you before, a very common comment used to be, well, I go where I'm fed. Well, when you say that, you got it backward. Because you as a Christian should grow daily on your own in your personal prayer and Bible study that you do. And as you remain in that and you confess your sins and forsake your sins, as you make things right with brothers and sisters that, that, that you're separated from, when you do that, the power of the Holy Spirit is strong in you. And then you bring to the table in worship something that's extra special. You don't come to church to be fed. You come to church to connect and to empower and to focus together. We're individuals that are really one body. And we as the body of Christ must work together. The Christian's first heart check and his devotion to God's world is very important. God's world, the body of Christ, is so significant. And Albert Barnes, the, the great theologian and writer, said, one of the evidences of conversion is a desire to be instructed in the doctrines and the duties of Christianity and a willingness to attend and participate in church. You know, church is a lot like going to school. 
When we go to school, especially on a Monday morning, I can remember so well waking up on a Monday morning after a raucous and busy weekend. Just hard to get your eyes open and yourself moving in the direction of school. I never enjoyed that. But once I understood the difference it made in my life, everything changed. When you walk with God long enough and you come together on Sunday morning, you miss something when you're not here. You need to be with the body of Christ. It's not just the encouragement we give to one another, but it's the power you sense and you feel, the energy that you take within you, that you leave here with, that makes a difference. We need to be a part of that. I have over the years gone to visit people that are in nursing homes, and they know that they won't be able to sit again in church. And how sad and how hard it is. I look back at that back pew there and I think about Bob Owen. Bob only sat there 52 years, I believe, he told me. Now, granted, Bob slept a lot of those Sundays. And it's my fault because when I'd preach, he'd sleep. But, you know, John Fain said he did the same thing when he was here. But Bob told me the other day, he said, I'd give anything to be back in, in that choir. You know, in fact, I'll tell you, he's at a state in life where he says, I'm going to be back. In a few more weeks, I'm going to be back. Because it's not out of his heart, it's a part of it. And, and he wants to know, when I, when I go to see him, the first thing he wants to know is, tell me how this person is, tell me how this family is, because we're connected. And though he's separated over an hour away from us in a nursing home in Prattville, his heart's still here. And he's only one of many, many, many people who give anything to be in church and to be a part of that. God's plan for the church calls for us to continue to grow. And that's why we need to have a desire to reach out to others. Because the church is not where it needs to be. It's a progressive program of reaching out to other people. We need to keep doing that. If you're not sharing your faith and if you're not growing the church, you're not fulfilling your destiny. If, you're, if there's something missing in your life, something that you really need, something that you're challenged with the absence of, it might be that. Maybe it's time for you to take a chance and share with someone that's looking for hope and help. Someone that needs an encouraging word. You know, whatever storms you go through in life, you remember that God speaks. And sometimes when we hit a storm in life, we realize that what's missing is not that God isn't meeting my need, but I have pulled away from Him. I've distanced myself. Maybe God has said something to you or is guiding you in some way to do something. And in the midst of that storm, you pulled away. You've not pulled closer. It's time for you to do that. There's a book entitled The Folly of Prayer that was written by Matt Woodley. And, and he has some wonderful stories in that book. And one, one of them, he, he tells a story about his friend Teresa. He said that she married a man of her dreams. And, and, but soon after that, she fell into deep depression. And her husband did everything to pull her out of it. And nothing seemed to work. And he said that three years went by and the marriage was just troubled and there were problems there. And he said, I tried to give her answers, simple answers like, well, just pray about it or just, you know, y'all sit down and talk and pull yourself out of that situation. And he said, nothing happened. But he said, one day just, just 
casually, he said, have you ever read the 77th Psalm? And he said, I just said that because he said, somehow that came into my mind because I had read it a, a day or two before, and I just mentioned that to her. And so she read it. And unbeknownst to Matt, someone else in, that worked with her had on their calendar. And Dr. Chittam, you've got one of those calendars because you've torn pages out of it and sent it to me before. On her calendar, it had the 77th Psalm, a quote out of that. And she went over and she read it on the desk. And the woman said, oh, by the way, I read that this morning. And here's what it says. And, and then she talked to a family member a day later. And they said, you know, God just woke me up in the middle of the night and just said, turn. And she said, I read the 77th Psalm. And this is what he said, the folly of prayer is that many times we pray and we ask God to do things and then we fail to recognize when he's working. He said, I did not realize that I was the first step in her life of finding wholeness. That woman memorized the 77th Psalm and she said every time she headed toward discouragement, she began to quote it. And she said, God has rescued her marriage, her life, and her ministry by doing that. We've got to be a people that connected. When you get that little inkling in your head and you think, oh, I need to call so-and-so. I've been concerned about them. That is not your thought. That's God. Don't hesitate to do that. Don't let anything in your life set you apart. From the Spirit speaking to you. Don't ever think a text message can take the place of a voice. There's power in your voice. I watched the other day with deep emotion. A father who was there as his wife gave birth. And he said all during the pregnancy he talked to his baby. Knowing that child was in the womb, he talked to that baby. He read scripture. He prayed. He prayed for that child that it would be safe. And and he said the moment the child was born, and they had the audio of it, it was powerful. The child was born and they cleaned that child up and put it under the little French fry light. You know the one I'm talking about. And and he held it and 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 the baby was crying. And he started talking and guess what the baby did? It ceased crying. Began to cry a minute or two later when the nurse took it to, to do all those tests they do, like sticking them and getting some blood and testing all these things. And he walked over and he began to talk to his baby by name. And that little one opened their eyes and looked. There's power in your voice, it matters. God listens. My birthday, I don't know why, but I was waiting for somebody to call me and sing to me. He sung to me for 12, Anna, don't look that way. It's not the quality of his voice, it's the fact that he cares. And that matters. That matters. God wants his church to be a vocal church. A loving church, an affirming church, an encouraging church. God gave us a voice because God speaks. 
But He wants us to speak words of affirmation and strength. He wants us to give words that give hope and help. But understand this. The people were devoted to worship together. They, they saw the power of that. Not only did they worship together, but they had meals together. They understood, and I love that term, breaking of bread. Somehow, sitting across the table with someone you love really matters. All of you know that I had foster parents growing up, and they were wonderful. They, I, I thought they were my parents until I was 21, and as far as I'm concerned, they, they'll always be my parents. Neither of them finished grade school, let alone high school. But they were two of the smartest people I've ever known. They both read voraciously. My father had the most beautiful penmanship I've ever seen. And they were very articulate about the way they lived. My dad insisted that we have breakfast together every morning, seven days a week. Some of you ask why I wake up at 4.30 every morning. That was the time we woke up because my job was to be the bacon fryer. I fried the bacon. And we ate breakfast together. Daddy wasn't there for lunch because he was always away working. But we ate lunch together Saturday and Sunday. And we ate dinner together every day. He said this. When you look at each other across the table and have a meal together, that means you're at peace. It matters. And that's why families matter. That's why dad setting the tone really matters. Scripture says, don't let the sun set down on your wrath. Don't let the day end with you being angry. Because there's something about our constitution that can't handle anger and bitterness. We've got to dispel it. We've got to resolve it. We've got to move on. We can't just say, I forgive you, and not mean it. We must mean it. And we have to let go. God created within us the ability to handle so many things, but bitterness and an unforgiving spirit, there's no place for in the heart of mankind. It will eat you alive, and we can't let that happen. You know, Satan is alive and well on the planet Earth. You know, he tried to get Jesus to worship him. He said, just fall down right here. Nobody else is here. Just to worship me, and I'll give you everything you want. I will walk away, and you can have it. No. Jesus knew what evil was. And remember, evil is not a power or a presence. It's an absence. You pull God out of anything, and you've got evil. Evil is the absence of God in the life of anything that exists. And Satan walked away from God. And he leads many people away from God. And we must choose not to follow him. You know, the Lord's Supper, which we had the other Sunday, is so special. Because it's the time we come near the table to be near to him. And we need to stay close to him. Because Satan wants to pull us apart. Lastly, notice this. They devoted themselves to pray, praying together daily. It's not just enough to pray for somebody. Pray with them. Call, call them up. FaceTime them and pray with them. Be a presence in prayer 
that is powerful for many people. That makes a difference. Every time you come together, you pray. It's so important. We need to understand that. God called us together. Jesus in John 17 said, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I never forget when somebody is there during a storm, not a public storm, but sometimes a private storm. Robert Massey, I'll pick on you now. You've been there for me through some storms, and I never told you about the storms, but you were there. I didn't have to tell you. The Holy Spirit told you, and I know that. I'm not bragging on you. I don't want you to get proud, but I want you to know you listen to God. And so many others in this room, you do that. You hear him and you respond. That's what the church is. It's a sensitive existence that responds to that call in a powerful way. God wants us to listen in that way. That's who we are. And that's, dads, that's who you have to be. It's not the enforcer of authority in the home. But it's the one that's willing to love and to embrace and to care. Sometimes as dads, we're so busy being fathers and being the disciplinarian and trying to keep the plate spinning in life that we don't have time to really enjoy all the things that we want to enjoy. That's why many dads, only when they're grandfathers, begin to enjoy what they've done and celebrate it. I pray that you'll do that today, fathers and grandfathers, because you make a difference, not only in this church, in this community, but in the body of Christ. Don't fail to do it. Let us pray. Father, I thank you so much that you give us the best gift you could give us, forgiveness. But along with forgiveness, we receive the Holy Spirit. And we choose how much of the Holy Spirit is within us and working through us. And I pray that we would just open wide our hearts to love others. That we would seek forgiveness and restoration, which is so important. Satan convinces us that, that, that when we're wronged, that we're a victim. and We must be defensive. But God says, no, you're broken people. And I'm restoring you. And you don't have to defend your brokenness. If you will stand, I will defend you. And I will make all things right. And I pray this morning we'll be willing to do that as a body and as a people. May we be found faithful. May we let the Spirit work through us. May we quit trying on our own and allow the Holy Spirit to guide. Father, speak to someone this morning and bless all of us in your name, amen.